listening to the Braveheart Podcast. Today's podcast is a portion of a class Peter is teaching at Christ for the Nations Institute. He is teaching through his book, Back to the Gospel, which focuses on Jesus, the why behind our salvation, and the joy of the new covenant. The world, and oftentimes the church, and the devil, wants you to toil and labor and strive for something that, that you can never accomplish. It's, it's, the, it's the nature of the fall. You, you'll see it and feel it everywhere. And so, Trinity, what you're saying is so good because you're saying, I want it to go from my head to my heart. And the only way you really discover that is when you resist the temptation maybe to do something out of a place of, of striving and you maybe go into your dorm room and you just you sit down and you just bring to remembrance John 15 and you go, okay, God, if you're the if you're the vine and I'm the branch and I'm to abide in you and I'm to abide in your love, then, Lord, right now I, I choose to do that. I, I choose to receive that inflow of your love and life. Lord, just would you just love on me right now? God, would you prune me right now? Like, like how many of you are familiar with those areas in your life you wish were better? Come on. You're like, oh, I wish I was more this. I wish I didn't get so impatient, right? How about instead of going, what do I need to do? Because here's the temptation for sure. What do I need to do to overcome impatience? What do I need to do to overcome apathy? Oh, I just feel so sluggish all the time. Well, you think Jesus is sluggish? So instead of like, okay, because what happens is you get, you get confronted with a reality of your flesh or a reality of a, of, a, of a thought pattern that's not producing fruit. And what happens is the temptation is to go, all right, now what do I need to do to get past that? Am, am I right? You guys know what I'm saying? And so what if, what if the solution was to trust your dad to go, okay, Father, I'm coming into the, the vine dressing room. <laughs> And I'm going, to let you, I'm going to let you prune that part of my life. And you just sit there and you let him speak to you. And here's how, here's how I believe one of the ways God prunes your life. He will speak to a mindset that is causing you to spin your wheels. He will speak to a mindset that's causing you to be apathetic. He will speak to a mindset that's causing you to continue to walk in lust. He'll, he'll speak to a mindset that's keeping you just weighed down in life. He'll, 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 get, he'll, he'll boil right down to the heart. And if you don't take the time to sit and let Him speak to you, you'll never actually get to the root of the problem and you never actually let Him prune you. You just go off and start spinning your wheels and it just keeps bearing bad fruit. Right? But something so profound, and the only way I can, I can tell you is you have to experience it for yourself. When you trust God with this, with this part of your life, with growing up, with maturing, with being more spiritual, with being more fruitful. How many of you are like, I wish I was more fruitful for God? When you prune something, it, it produces more fruit, especially when you prune it skillfully. And so the reality is, guys, in the church... We've, we've been taught to prune ourselves. You're, you're taught, you're trained to prune yourself. And you get these tools 
you know, called spiritual disciplines and, and, and accountability and all these things that you try to use to prune your own life. And, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you end up chopping your own arm off and you end up hurting yourself more than helping yourself. And so one of the things I want to I wanna talk about this morning, uh, we, talked, we talked on Tuesday about, about dealing with sin. And so what we're doing is we're sort of, I'm giving you a mindset, but then today I actually want to teach you how to receive that life flow. Remember we talked last week about the power of design. And, and when you understand God's design in the environment that things grow in, all you have to do is receive nourishment and you'll grow. Like we talked about a seed, all it, if you put it in the soil, it receives nourishment and sunlight, it will grow. Isn't that profound? And so what the goal here is at the end of this class is that you have a construct, you know the environment that God wants you to grow in. You're never going to go outside that environment and you understand what kind of seed you are. You're a, you're a godly seed. The seed of Abraham, you've been born after God. So it's so huge. And this will bring rest to you. This will bring peace to your soul. And when you start to see fruit come off of your life, you'll understand that this is bigger than a theology. You say, well, what does this have to do with this in my life? It has everything to do with everything. It really does. When you, the only reason this wouldn't hit your heart and you wouldn't go, wow, is because you haven't experienced the fruit of it. And the power in it. Because when you experience the fruit and the power and you go, wow, you're telling me, Peter, that if I abide in the vine, I'll bear much fruit? No, I'm not telling you that. John 15 told you that. But it's giving understanding as to what that means instead of just letting that be a nice poetic passage that we throw around and say, well, what, what does that mean to abide in the vine? What is it actually? How do we do that? That's what I want to get into. I'm, I'm talking about uh, because we've been I feel like we're at a place where I can talk to you about these spiritual matters and you're not going to be your circuits are not going to be fried. Like we have some framework now to go, OK, how do we then receive the life of God? If that's how the new covenant happens, is that just life flows into me and then fruit happens? How do we do that? John six is a massive, massive chapter for us. And I encourage you just to stay there. I encourage you just to consume it. It is, it is deep. It is 2,000 leagues under the sea deep. Just a little context. Jesus has just fed 5,000 people with a couple loaves and fish. Okay? So He goes and He crosses the sea. And He gets, into, uh, he gets to the other side. And some people come and they, they start looking for Jesus. So this is what this is what says happened in verse 24. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum doing what? Seeking Jesus. How many of you enjoy seeking Jesus? How many of you know how to seek Jesus? How many of you understand your motive for seeking Jesus? All right, we're about to get deep in this, all right? So look, look at what they said. So they're seeking Jesus, right? That's the context. When they found Him, how many of you think there should be an exclamation there and there should be a party in the Scriptures? They found Him. Yeah, Woo! They found Jesus. If you seek Jesus, you should find Him. He's made Himself findable. Has He not? Yeah. 
You say, I don't know where he is. His heart's right here on a page. He says, I'm with you. Never leave you and forsake you. He's made Himself accessible to us. Look at this. They found Him on the other side of the sea, and they said to Him, Rabbi, when did you come here? So they sought Him and found Him, but they were confused as to where they found Him at. Interesting. So Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me. Wow, isn't that cool when Jesus acknowledges what you're doing? He, he, he says, wow, you are seeking me. They were seeking him and he says, you are seeking me. But look what he says. You are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Now this is real. Y'all want you to pay attention. Verse 27, he says this. Get in the text with me. If you have it, you need to pull it up on your Bible. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on Him God the Father has set His seal. So Jesus went from, He acknowledged their seeking, and He started talking about work. This is an interesting connection. He, he exchanges the word seeking for work. He says, your seeking is actually work. We've got to slow down in this text because when Jesus talks, he's like, he's like His voice is like the sound of many waters. It's literally like the, the, the rivers of Babylon coming out of His mouth. It's just deep. And if you just glance it, you're like a stone that skips across the water instead of, instead of sinking into that river going, what are you saying? That's why we're going gonna, gonna, gonna to just... I don't know how far we'll get this morning, but I want you to see this. Do not work. He says, you're seeking me not because you, you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of bread. <clears throat> then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Now look at this. Jesus is now getting to the heart of their framework. They were seeking God. They were seeking Jesus. They found Jesus, but they, they weren't going to receive from Jesus. And Jesus highlights that to him. He goes, you're seeking me and you found me, yet you're not getting what you looked for because here's, here's the context in which you're coming to me. You're coming to me because you ate bread. And he's telling you, don't work or don't seek me to, to get this earthly bread. And so they said, they hear the word work, they hear the word work come out of Jesus' mouth, and they say, what do we do? Jesus, you said work, well then tell us what to do. How many of you feel that way? God, just tell me what to do. Jesus is getting to the heart of this question. God, what do we do to do the works of God? We want to work for God. The core of these people are saying, we want to work for God. I want to work for you. Oh, Jesus is crazy. Look at this. They ask Him this question, what do we do to do the works of God? He's saying, they're saying, what do we do to be a good Christian? This is from God's mouth. You've got to listen to God's response to this question. You may have had this question, what do I do to do the work of God? I want to do the work of God. How many of you, you want to be about the work of God? You want to be at the front lines of His work? This is the question they've posed to Jesus, and He gives us an answer. This is the work of God that you believe in Him who He has sent. How many of you that's satisfying? 
No, not many. It's not many. Because in our hearts we say, well, I've believed in Him. Right? Have you ever read that and go, well, I've believed in Him? I don't know how to connect those dots. Why? Because, remember, we've been talking about this whole class, that we've turned this gospel thing into a moment in in our timeline where we believe on God. And that's become a moment. You can point to a date. I can point to, you know, July, you know, of 1996 or 4. I believed in God. And so then he says, okay, well, there we are. What do we do to believe in the work of God? What do we do to do the works of God? Believe in Him. So they said to him, now this is amazing to me. Let's look, at how, look at how twilight zone Jesus must have been in. Look at this. He's like, this is the work. You believe in me. So he tells them this, believe in me. Believe in me. And look at what they say. Then what sign do you do? Their whole operating system was around do. Okay, you said believe in you. Then what, Jesus, then what do you, what do you do? What sign do you do that we may see you, see and believe you? What work do you perform? And look what they say. They, they start quoting the history. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, and what they're doing is they're referencing Moses who performed the sign, who was credited with the sign of giving them bread from heaven. Are you with me? We're getting deep into the text now. You just got to stay in the spirit and drink this in. He said they're, they're referencing, okay, if we're to believe in you, then what sign do you do? Because in the, in the wilderness, back in the old covenant that's our history, Moses actually was responsible for doing that sign. God gave them the manna from heaven. And so they're, they're holding that up to Jesus, kind of going, hey, look, Moses did this thing. What do you do? What do you do? Jesus is a ninja. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to Him, Sir, give us this bread always. So Jesus, through this whole conversation, He gets them to a point where they say, I want the bread. Now they've, they've gone from doing to now eating. That's the great shift in the Christian life. Oh my gosh, if you could write that down and tattoo it on your heart. The shift is from doing to eating. What do I do? You eat. You eat. What do I eat? The bread of God. I eat the bread of God. You say, I want to grow up in God. I want to do the works of God. You eat the bread of God. You learn to feast on Jesus. You learn to consume Him. You learn to eat who He is. You learn to take of His substance and His character and His nature and His likeness and you consume it in secret. What do I do, Peter? What do I, what do, I do? You eat. You eat. You eat. You eat. You feast and you eat. What do I do to do the works of God? You eat. And Jesus was trying to get them to that place to say, I want the bread. Now He's got them where He wants them. 
What do we do? I'm doing. I'm seeking you, God. I'm seeking you, man. These guys, these guys should be praised. They would be praised in the modern circles. You crossed a river. You crossed a sea to go find Jesus. You found him. They could they could share that testimony. Yeah, we we crossed the sea. We did all this. Man, look at what you did. You must really love Jesus. No, you just wanted to work for Him. And you came to Him amiss because you didn't know you could eat of Him. You were trying to work for Him. They said, give us this bread, and look what He's doing. He keeps pointing to Himself, not what He's doing. Jesus wasn't going to point to what He did. He wanted to point to Himself because the the work of God is to believe in Him. And He's instructing us on what believing in Him looks like. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread. Sir, give us this bread always. I am the bread. Give us the bread always. I am the bread. (laughs) I'm the bread. And He says, Whoever comes to Me... Now look... Now we're, he's unpacking seeking, okay? Stay with me because, because these are the key words. Seeking Jesus. What does it look like to seek Jesus? You come to Him. How do you come to Him? You just come to Him. You, you go into a place and you go, I'm coming to you. It's so simple, it's offensive. But I'm, 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 I'm teaching you how to walk in the Spirit and how to receive life from God. You could just read this and skip over and go, what do I do? I'm actually showing you what to do, how to seek God. Jesus is through the Scriptures, okay? Look, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never never thirst. So here we have comes to and believes in. This is the language of the Spirit now, okay? So we're gonna, I'm going to hopefully connect the dots in your heart and in your spirit. What does it look like to come to and to believe in? Thanks for listening to the Braveheart Podcast. For more information on Braveheart Ministries, visit BraveheartMinistries.org.